Hi, welcome to Sundance Shortscast. I'm Mike Plant, Senior Programmer for Short Films at Sundance. And today I'm here with the filmmakers of Everything You Wanted to Know About Sudden Birth, But We're Afraid to Ask, <laughs> Scott, Scott Kalanico and Jeffrey Radice. Hi, yes. guys. Hello. Hi. Hello, Mike. That's us, yeah. And for somebody who hasn't seen the film, even though the title gives you a lot of information, <laughs> how would you explain the film when you meet someone that hasn't seen it? Well, they asked me the title usually, and then I just showed the badge because it's so long. And actually, they couldn't even fit the whole title on the badge, they told me. <laughs> so, uh, But then I tell them it's, it's, an, it's an old police training film on how to deliver a baby in the backseat of a car that I've kind of gone back. Sudden and, Birth is a sudden, film. Yeah, Sudden Birth is a film, and I've gone back and kind of done a history of the, the film. Right, so so police would actually watch this film to be trained. Yeah, on how to deliver a baby. I mean, it, it, there's kind of a, as Skip mentions in the film, there's a few of these uh, delivery. Uh, so there's another, there's one, the one I saw that I actually had in the short for a while was one from the, the U.S. Army made on how to, it's just, that one was called emergency childbirth. <laughs> <laughs> and explain who Skip is. Uh, that was Skip Elsheimer, and he is um, a film archivist, also uh, does a lot of the films uh, at uh, avgeeks.org is his website, and he's been collecting and licensing films for a long time. Uh, he's been working with the Inter Internet Archive, and so he's got a bunch of his films up there as well, um, and does some programming for the Alamo Draft House in Raleigh. And it's pretty fascinating. This, I mean, there's this huge, uh, at least American history of training films. Mm -hmm. Like, what did you already know about this sort of? I mean, I guess a genre, for lack of a better term. I'd known of them. I mean, like one of my discoveries, my favorite discoveries in the film is that uh, the police and the mentally ill one, which I found, I found in the Los Angeles archives just when I was poking around for something else, and I found that. And uh, so, yeah, there's a whole bunch of these films on, on how to do various things. Uh, I also use a clip from a short called uh, The Art of Cake Decorating, which, which I really wanted. There's a little bit of it in there, and I couldn't. The title was all messed up, and I, couldn't, I wanted to put it in the title screen, but couldn't make it work. And it's fascinating about how this is, these things are real movie productions. Mm -hmm. Just, I mean, what is it, the acting is fascinating because yeah. it's not like they hire actors to do these things. No, I mean the actual. So the the people who produced uh, Sudden Birth, there's Golden State Films, and they actually produced a lot of these, like the the police marching film. The, I think it was that I used. It's uh, how Ro mob and riot control was the name of the uh, thing. But they produced a few of these. Yeah. Did Skip tell you? Was the, did it originate at sixteen or thirty five millimeter? I think they're usually mostly sixteen. Yeah, because it would have been the cheaper film yeah. format at yeah. the time. Yeah. yeah, which has its own amazing aesthetic quality. Yeah, that's what because we actually have so Skip has a film in 4K. We do we we have the whole film in 4K, and so he gave me some, uh, but my computer couldn't handle it, so we wound up using just 2K clips in there. How long is the whole sudden birth? Uh, the whole thing's about 24 minutes. Oh wow! Yeah, so there's there's <laughs> twice as long as your film. <laughs> yeah, there's some gems I had to leave out. I was just like, oh god, yeah. There's a I, I left out the whole afterbirth scene. Like, you, oh, yeah, the classic afterbirth <laughs> scene from yeah. the sudden birth. Yeah, one of the my my favorite trivia bit that uh, that you can hear if you watch it again. You can hear somebody saying "cut." You can hear the director saying "cut." In, in the, the actual movie. In the movie. They left it. It's just, it's really, it's barely audible. But you hear this guy going, cut, 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so the process was like, you knew Skip and you asked him what one of his favorite films was? I, I The process was, I knew about Sudden Birth for a long time. And I was like, I was looking for to do another project with... So with, it's almost like it's a it's a uh, um, a cult film that people had seen before. Yeah, it, it's one of the most downloaded shorts on the internet archive. And if you follow a discussion board there, it's there's a lot of people going, is that a real baby? So that was kind of the question <laughs> I went with. So the full Sudden Birth is on the internet yeah it's on the internet archive yeah and then you went the extra step and you contacted how how did you find these people that actually made it and were in it yeah well it was it was pretty easy as i showed in the film i mean dr biernick had a pretty unusual name so i just i googled him and then the first thing i found out that he was dead they passed away just like maybe a year before that and then they had his uh, daughter's contact information mm-hmm. in the obituary. So then I, I contacted her. And explain who he is. Uh, he was one of the leading gynecologists in the Bay Area. He was actually, as Amy mentions in the film, he's pretty well known. And he was like one of the first guys to introduce the Lamaze method in hospitals. He also was one of the first guys to say, uh, hey, we shouldn't smoke in hospitals. He got really like, wow. yeah. <laughs> and he was a twin. And his, bro- his yeah. twin brother was also a OBGYN. Yeah. So there were two two of these guys who had emigrated from Holland to the United States to become doctors. Yeah, because the layers, and it's pretty impressive how many layers of story and persons and events you have, and the film's only like 10, 11 minutes. Yeah, it's 11 minutes, and I had to leave, like I said, I had to leave stuff out. Like, for example, the brothers were nationally ranked Dutch tennis players. <laughs> and the younger... And singles or, or doubles? Uh, sing, in singles, and then the younger brother, Ferdinand, uh, played at Wimbledon. What? In 1948, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, maybe when he was going to medical school then? I don't know. His, his, his daughter had a funny line that I had to cut out. She's like, I don't know. I don't know how these guys found time to play so much tennis after the war, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then even the people who made Sudden Birth, you tracked down, right? Or at least their stories. Yeah, I was able to, fall, uh, to find uh, Paul Kirsten, whose dad directed the film. Um, and actually, they even had this crazier backstory because his dad and mom worked at J. Walter Thompson in New York, um, like back in the 50s. So they were, they were like a real madman couple. And his dad used to do like Lux Theater and Craft TV and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. As a director? Yeah, as a director. There's a shot that I had to take out, but it was the shot of the director, uh, Paul's dad, with uh, Helen, uh, Helen Hayes and Frederick Marsh. <laughs> yeah, he directed them in some right. uh, yeah, playhouse. Well, thing. that's good. That's actually good that you're saying all this because it's a tr- it's the the trick is there's so much good stuff, but how do you make a good short? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I think it's just I, I was following the story, and then I read an interview online with some shorts programmer where he talked about ten minutes. Was it me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and that, that does, that. that does, it just, it's a good kind of mark to have in, you know, and if you can't do the story in 10 minutes. Well, the, the, the trick is if you go to 15, it better be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Really? Did the, between 10 and 15, there's just that much. That. It's just like you start to see, your mind starts to drift as an mm-hmm. audience member. Also, it's just something about like, you know how it's same thing with features. Mm-hmm. Like like you guys have worked on longer stuff too. It's like yeah, the difference between thirty minutes and an hour. 
And it's just sort of it. It's just sort of like same thing. Ten or fifteen. Can yeah. you get it all in there? Are you really giving me more stuff? Mm-hmm. And that's even if you would have added this stuff, it would have been interesting. But it kind of would have been like, okay, I'm losing track of what's really good and what's a thread. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you kept the thread going pretty well. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was just trying to cut out which I, what I could put in there and what I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could easily do like a, probably a thirty minute cut of this. Mm-hmm. You know, would be I think would be fairly entertaining. But you know, for festival wise, hardcore fans. Yeah, it was yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be it'd be a lot more clips of sudden birth in there. Yeah. yeah. What uh, and what about the baby that was born in sudden birth? So I actually tracked that guy down because his mom almost because that's his, you know that, obviously that's the real mom in the film and they kind of had an unusual name too and they're still in the Bay Area like most of the people I talked to are still in the oh, wow. Bay Area and I found him. And he actually, he runs like a health food store now or something, but um, I just never made the connection to him. And by that time, I already talked to um, uh, Jonathan Deegan, who was the cesarean baby. It was a different film. (laughs) But then, uh, but in, in, uh, so how did he feel about Oh, uh, they love. I mean, it was just all these people. Everyone I talked to to a T were so excited to talk about this. I mean, especially like Keith, the documentary filmmaker. I mean, he was he was uh, a, a nice chatterbox. I mean, he was he was really excited to talk about this stuff. Wow, <laughs> so, and that's Keith Merrill, who's an Academy Award winning <coughs> Utah native. Yeah, and also yeah, I had to leave out stuff about him. Like if you if you ever been to the Alamo or the Grand Canyon, you've seen his work. Because he did the IMAX movies that show at the Alamo and the Grand Canyon. Oh, right. He was right. one of the first filmmakers to work in IMAX, yeah. Oh, that's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Was there anyone you couldn't track down? Um, let's... I mean, besides, obviously, if they weren't alive. Um, no, I think I pretty mu- I was pretty happy with everybody I got. What that's was great. interesting is I done I did all these interviews in, like, probably a couple weeks. And then I was going back and listening to the interviews... And I had forgotten the whole in search of thing that Jonathan mentioned. I was like, wait, wait a minute, what? And then I went back and found the episode and was like, whoa. (laughs) And both of you have done a lot of previous work just dealing with real people, real events. Mm -hmm. What kind of, how do you deal with the weight of telling somebody's story? Yeah, I mean, I think that you have to keep in mind that the, the family, the, you know, if it's somebody who's dead, the family and the the generations that follow, you have to be really respectful of the legacy of the of the person, you know. So I did a, a feature documentary about Doc Ellis, and it uh, his story is is complicated because not not all of it is very pretty. Some, you know, he had he kind of had he, he hit rock bottom in a way, and um, what was great was that the the people I was interviewing his former wives, and they really opened up in a way that I never could have anticipated. I, you know, in my wildest dreams, I hoped for that. But, um, yeah, I think that you have to be extraordinarily respectful about the legacy of, of somebody that you're telling a story about. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd agree, too. I mean, one of the reasons the beer and had opened up to me um, was that they wanted to have their father, you know, an extra legacy, another side of him that people didn't know about. And I was able to hopefully tell it, you know, in a, in a respectful way as well. Although, the, you know, we, we all did call his acting into question. <laughs> <laughs> There's a love-hate relationship yes. with that industrial acting, yeah. Um, is, it, is it easy, or what are some of the difficulties of dealing with archive when, when you deal with somebody? You know, sudden birth is one thing, but you have the life story. Mm-hmm. But then someone like Doc, you have so much stuff. Like, do you guys like working with archive, or is it become even more tricky than if you went and shot stuff i i mean i think that you know speaking for for scott as well yeah i think we, we really enjoy working with archival stuff the 
you know, we had um, got through one of Doc's wives all of this Super 8 home movies that just made that, made the, the movie that I was making so much more interesting. And, you know, so you have to constantly keep an eye out for opportunities to get pieces like that. Kind of like Scott um, discovered on the Internet Archive, these uh, outtakes from Sudden Bird. Yeah, that was that really made the film come together. Because I already just, okay, I was going to do a film about this. I did the interviews, and then I was talking to Skip or somebody, and they are like, oh, yeah, you know that Rick Prelinger has all the outtakes from that online. <laughs> and I'd seen them before, and then I was like, holy cow, yeah, because there's... There's some great stuff in there that I couldn't include. There, there's a light that explodes on the set, and then there's actually a shot of Paul's dad doing the slate, a manual slate in there, for just a few frames, but you can't tell who he is. He looks so different from the picture that I used. Right. Yeah, and then, <laughs> I mean, so speaking to the some of the challenges of working with archival stuff, it's uh, obviously you don't have necessarily uh, the ability, the legal use of of the material that somebody else created if you go out and shoot your own work then you you have full um creative use of it but i think that the types of um things that that we like working with archivally tend to be in the public domain or not copyrighted and so there are ways especially if you're telling stories that are a little older going back in you know pre-1977 when the copyright law really changed there are ways to kind of get around those. If you're working with modern archival material, you're going to have to pay somebody a license fee or deal with, you know, getting a a lawyer to claim fair use on your behalf. How do you usually, Scott, you've got a little bit of a jam going. Actually, a very long jam going because we were just talking about last time you were here with the King of Dick and LSD of Go-Go. And and it's funny because if you just look, if you just, you know, the whole thing about reading a newspaper to find an idea, it's like, well, there's thousands of ideas. Right. Do you have sort of an in when you know, like, oh, this is the story to make a film about? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the sudden birth thing was really crazy because it just, it was an idea that just coalesced so fast. And in between, I was relocating from Berlin, uh, from Edinburgh to Berlin. So it was just, I was editing the film and then moving to a new country as well. So it was just something that, that popped up. Um, another one that, for example, Jeff and I are going to co-direct a feature. And that was, uh, I discovered I was working with the son of a spy. At my work, at my job, so at your normal job, yeah, my normal job, my my day job. So I was like, ah, okay. So yeah, yeah. I think that it, <laughs> what happens is if if you get the kernel of an idea, if it if it's going to work and be effective, everything just kind of comes together, like he was describing with with making this movie. If, mm-hmm. if things fall into place, then you know that you're on the right track. And if it's really hard, then maybe you're not on the right track, or you have to figure out around those challenges. But I think. Typically, if it falls together and falls in place, then then you know it's a good idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and then having to go find archive is such a fascinating, weird trip to go down. Yeah, I kind of it's it's kind of fun. Yeah, you get into it. Like I found this whole, as I mentioned before, that uh, police and the mentally ill. There's a bunch of archives that were in the LA. It was the LA Police Archives, and they're all in HD. They're all high def, and so I don't know why they had scanned them all in, but they were all wow. there. Yeah. Yeah, there's a good one. There's a recruiting film narrated by Jack Webb from Dragnet fame. Oh, that's class. <laughs> yeah. Are people, do you have any experience? Are people still making industrial? I'm, sh- I'm sure training, you would think that training videos 
have gotten better, but I don't know why I would think that because it doesn't mean they're like hiring Meryl Streep to do yeah. this training don't you video. Make well, training that videos? that is kind of what that is my day job. So you know, and I didn't even know that I would ask the question. So tell us about that. Yeah, so I'm working for a software company, and I make. Uh, the software demo video. So like, here's our product, here's how to use it. And I've, I've kind of fallen into this niche since living in Europe where it's like, if companies want to pretend they're American, then like I can go in there and I do an American voiceover, you know, and then I'll, I'll cut the video and do the demo because I'll, I'll know the product by then. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of that, but then there's also a lot of uh, case studies, which are kind of, it's basically like a mini documentary about the company and how, oh, this is how we use our product. But I just, I just filmed one uh, in Birmingham. Uh, speaking of archive, I just filmed one in Birmingham in um, England in the UK, and I sent somebody down to to do it because I'm not I'm not I wasn't there. And he uploaded all the footage, and I got the footage, and they were filming in a lawyer's office, and they were like, "Okay, we don't want to film any of the employees, and you can get one shot of the main desk, and then they filmed the two interview guys in front of in the middle of a cubicle, so there was nothing behind them, and wow. so I solved the problem by." Finding some uh, stock footage and dropping it in there. You know, <laughs> we have offices in the UK. You know, aerial shot of the uh, of the Tower Bridge. Right, so yeah, right. it, wor- it worked pretty well. <laughs> Still alive and kicking. <laughs> right. And the amazing thing is, like people, people have such a uh, so much more of an acceptance for this kind of thing. <clears throat> like I would, I guess I'd say audiences. You know, mm-hmm. where if you get a critical eye, you're like, well, that's not good. That's not good. But people are also just like they're just taken by something. You know. Mm-hmm. And, and there's this weird notion behind, I don't know how you guys feel about it, like, you know, bad for bad sake, mm-hmm. you know, which starts with Ed Wood and it carries through the room. Right, yeah. And Dangerous Men and so many, like, weird, interesting things. And then, But then, it, you know, I always want to question it. Like, I do like outsider art and mm-hmm. outsider filmmakers, but it's, it's an interesting delineation between somebody that's interesting and then somebody that's really making something bad and people you're not quite sure if people are making fun of it or actually enjoying it. Yeah, it, it's it's tough because I'd never seen The Room, but then I saw it at the Edinburgh Fringe because they kind of show it there once a year. Oh, really? And that was like the craziest, because the audience is like full of people and they're all screaming and yelling. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, but then it's, it's, it's yeah, is it bad or good? And I can't, I can't tell anymore. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's not. <laughs> but it is, it's fascinating because you, you see how, an unusual person like did a great thing by completing a film. Uh uh-huh, yeah. And then then it's difficult though cuz like we couldn't necessarily show stuff like that. Um, we would have to be very upfront about whether or not you're supporting someone. You never want to make fun of somebody like right. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the whole fan base. Mm-hmm. Like what is going on people quoting it. Yeah. So well, like a uh, American movie, right? That's yeah. right. a great. Yeah. Movie. <laughs> and I thought that, that he he treated it very tactfully mm-hmm. and, yep. and respectfully. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a great example because then if you actually talk to Mark, like he loves Bergman and Fellini oh, yeah, and Tarkovsky, yeah. and you can talk to him for a long time about this art cinema, but that's not what this. But he tried to make this weird horror film, yeah. so that's what it's around, and uh-huh. and it's yeah, it's fascinating yeah. stuff. Yeah. So then, have people involved that uh, you know, like the people you interviewed, have they seen your short? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I sent it to everybody. Um, sent it to everybody. Said thank you. Here's what it looks like. And I sent it to Keith, and I had, didn't hear from him for a while. And then he said he dropped me an email like three weeks ago, and he was like, "Hey, some of my friends at Sundance said that my fil- your my film was in there." So I was like, "Hey, dude, I've been trying to get in contact with you." But I sent him a I sent him a copy of it, and he said, "Good job." So that was okay. that was nice. It's got to be so surreal for them to see. <laughs> I know. That's, yeah, it's it, it's really odd, and especially because Paul was there. He was on set, you know, when they were wow. doing some of the filming you know so you know how old he was i think he was six or seven i think he's he and he's down in like argentina he 
He like what? yeah he, t- he he does like he teaches English down there. Wow. Yeah. It just keeps going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, so one of the biggest challenges we had was that Scott did all of the audio over Skype. Yeah. And you know, uh-huh. it only there's only so much room to clean it up. Our our sound engineer, you know. Saint. Very masterful. Mm-hmm. He's worked on a lot of films that have shown at Sundance, and you know, he, there's only so much cleanup you can do on a Skype call. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, well, it all worked out somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. We're so th- we're thrilled to show it, and I'm glad you guys could come. All right, excellent. Yeah, yeah the, the re- reactions have been great. So uh, thanks again. Awesome.